0: Well, thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We're especially glad you're joining us Joining us if this is your first church experience in a long time or first time ever. And if you're new or relatively new, we have a free gift to thank you for being with us today. Simply text the word WELCOME to 410-216-5534. And if you're here on campus, you can stop by uh, the desk out in the concourse and we'll give you that free gift to thank you for being with us today. Well, today's the fourth week of our series that we are calling Rooted in Wisdom. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs are terse, profound, time-tested pieces of wisdom. They are terse, so just a few words, but they are profound. They pack a punch of wisdom in just a few words and time-tested. They lasted over generations and generations. Proverbs we're looking at through this series are are over 2,500 years old. So people in all times and places have found them to be valuable. A couple weeks ago, uh, Brian talked about some Proverbs as it comes to feedback and listening to others. Uh, Last week, Daniel talked about Proverbs of the tongue and our speech. Uh, We said death and life are in the power of the tongue. Uh, So the last couple of weeks, we looked at some proverbs on a, a whole topic. And we looked at a few different proverbs. Today, we're looking at only one single proverb, but it is a deep proverb. I mean, we could talk about this proverb for about an hour or so. In fact, that's what we'll do. We'll be here for the next hour. Just kidding, just kidding. We'll be here for the next 20 minutes, but we could spend a lot more time on this proverb. So the proverb we're looking at is Proverbs 4.23, or Proverbs 4.23, and it says this. Above all else, and just look at those three words, that means what is about to follow is very important. If you were giving some advice or to counsel to somebody else and you said, above all else, in other words, what you're saying is, here's what is most important in this area of life. So maybe if you're teaching someone how to drive right now, you might say, above all else, keep your eyes on the road. Or maybe if you're trying to help someone with some relational advice, you might be saying this, above all else in your marriage, build and establish and build trust. Keep trust. Maybe if you're teaching somebody in your work environment, what about your company or your culture, you might say, above all else, Make sure you respect and value the customer. Well, Solomon, who's acknowledged as the author of Proverbs, he's saying above all else, but he's not talking about just one area of life. He's saying it for the whole of your life. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the wellspring of life. Another translation of this says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the wellsprings of life. So a little bit different. We're gonna look at those two translations and first of all what they have in common and then a little bit of different nuance to those translations. But both are saying this, the heart is central. You live from your heart, you love from your heart, you work from your heart, you make decisions from your heart, you speak from your heart. The heart is central. The heart is central to who you are. Now, your heart is not all of you. As a human being, you are a composite of body and soul, physical and spiritual. But it is your heart and your, it is the center of your spiritual self. Now, the heart is not your emotions. Many people mix this up. They think the heart and emotions are the same. Your emotions are the voice or expression of of your heart, but they're not your heart. Your heart is far more stable than your shifting emotions. When the scriptures talk about the heart, they'll also talk about the will. They'll use those words interchangeably, your heart, your will. It's what you desire and what you want. And your will is very, very strong and very powerful. Over the last year, I read this book, uh, Gates of Fire. Uh, It's about the battle of Thermopylae. And if you've ever seen the movie 300, it's about that same battle in which 300 Greeks stood up to the Persian army. Hundreds of thousands of the Persian army coming at them at the Battle of Thermopylae. And and that battle changed world history because otherwise the Greek civilization would have been completely wiped out. Well, in any case, in this book, The Gates of Fire, there's a scene in which the Greeks are preparing to fight the Persians. And they're arguing about where they should put these rocks and and where strategically to put them. And as they're arguing, the, the conversation and the argument is going round and round and round and going nowhere. Finally, Leonidas, who's the king of the Greeks, he just starts putting rocks down. And he says, this pass will not be defended by rocks. It will be defended by men. In other words, it was their will to fight and to battle for their country and what they loved that was the real strength of the army. Your real strength is your heart your will it is out of your heart your will that you initiate action it is out of your heart and your will that you will make the the greatest contributions to your family to your community to society to the world it's out of the desires of your heart that you'll give god the most glory saint irenaeus said this the glory of god is man fully alive I was reminded of this, about the contributions we make out of our heart when I was reading through, the, through psalms. I like to read a psalm a day. And one day I was reading through the psalms and I came upon this psalm, or this verse. In your strength the king rejoices, O Lord, and in your help how greatly he exalts. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. And on this particular day when I read this verse, I thought back to this church building. And for many years, it was the desire of my heart that we would be able to build this church and working with many other people. Many other people had that desire as well, that we'd be able to build a brand new church that would allow us to continue to grow as a parish. And for many years, I prayed for this church and it came into being. And I realized, I'm like, I thank God. I said, thank you, God, that you've given me the desire of my heart and not withheld the request of my lips. From your heart. And what you desire, you will make greatest contributions to the world. The heart is the executive center of your life. We often think that we make decisions in our mind, but it's really the opposite. We make decisions in our heart, and then our mind goes out and figures out how to implement it, how to make it happen. But the heart is the executive center. You often make your decisions there, and your brain figures out how to make what you want happen. Let me give you a kind of mundane example of this. Uh, for a long time, I've wanted a Weber gas grill. You know, Webers are kind of considered the best of, of grills, and so I had a gas grill, it was fine, it worked, and it was, it was good for a while, but then eventually, right before Memorial Day, it, it kind of stopped working. And it was starting to fall apart, and I thought, this is my opportunity to get a grill. And so I got a, a, a check, I didn't expect a couple hundred bucks, I realized I had a gift card, I'm like, it's Memorial Day weekend, of course you go out and buy a grill on Memorial Day weekend, right? My, my mind went out and found all the reasons why it was time to get the Weber grill, but my heart had been set on it. You set the course and direction of your life. You make decisions in your heart. That's why in Psalm 51, David writes this. He says, speaking to God, you insist on sincerity of heart. So in my inmost being, in the depths of my heart, teach me wisdom. God, you insist on sincerity of heart. You insist that we be honest with ourselves, in our heart, about our decisions, about our choices. So in my inmost being, in my heart, my heart of hearts, teach me wisdom. Your heart is central. It is the executive center and it's executive it sets, the exec, it sets the direction of your life. It's the executive center of of your life. So with that in mind, Proverbs tells us this, above all else, guard your heart. You have to guard your heart. Why is that? Well, for all the reasons we said, because your heart is so important. Other reason you need to guard your heart is because it is precious. It is valuable. Your heart is valuable and precious to God. God. You, you have to guard those things that are precious and valuable. Well, on Thursday evenings, my family, we, we pick up our trash throughout our household and we put it on the side of the road. And we leave it there and we don't think about it anymore. Why? Because it's trash. It doesn't need to be guarded. If someone wants to come and take it, I mean, we put it out there to be taken. Go ahead and take it. But there's nothing valuable out there. And the same thing is true for you. you. Once a week, you put your trash out by the curb and you don't think about it anymore. You don't have to guard it because... It's trash, but your heart, it's not trash. It's incredibly valuable, and it matters to God. So you need to guard your heart because it's valuable and precious. Another reason you need to guard your heart is because, quite honestly, it's under attack. You have an enemy who attacks your heart, who comes after Your heart. The story of your life is the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who fears what you might do if you were connected to your heart and felt and saw God's place in your heart. And some part of you might be thinking right now, Tom, are you trying to scare me? No, I'm not trying to scare you. But I am trying to wake you up. Your heart will be attacked by your enemy. And so you need to guard your heart. Now, the enemy has a lot of different attacks that come after us. There's a few, not, not actually that many, but there's a few. But one of the biggest ones, I think, is the attack of agreements. What's an agreement? Well, an agreement is something that the enemy gets you to believe a lie or twist the truth. And they're pretty much the same thing, right? A lie or twist the truth about God, about the others who love you, other people who love you, or about yourself. The enemy gets you to make agreements with him about God and God's character, the lies about God's character, that God doesn't love you, that he's not for you, that if bad things are happening in your life, it's because he loves to punish you rather than maybe he's allowing some things into your life to discipline you, or that anything bad has come, is, is all his will. The enemy tries to get us to believe the truth about God. He gets us to try to believe lies about God and distort the truth about God. The enemy gets us to believe in agreements or make agreements with him about other people. To see other people in a negative light who really love us and are for us. And of course, we're going to be let down by the people in our lives, and they're going to disappoint us, but the enemy then takes that and twists it. and gets us to think that they're against us or they don't love us. Families are destroyed by this. Marriages break apart because couples make agreements with the enemy family parents turn against children because they make agreements with the enemy fruitful working relationships break apart because suspicion is put in in the relationship instead of trust the enemy will have us make agreements with him that's one way he goes after our heart then the enemy will have make us make agreements with him about ourselves recently i was listening to a message from this pastor at Bethel Church, and he asked this question. He said, if you talk to others the way you talk to yourself, would you have any friends? I thought, ooh. <laughs> that hit me between the eyes because I call myself names all the time. I would never call my friends. Like, you idiot. You're stupid. You're a moron, right? I'll make a mistake and start calling myself these names, and I would never do that to my, to my friends. Then this, just, this past week, I had to really defend my heart. So uh, last weekend... Uh, my family, we were coming back from vacation. We had been at the beach and so we are driving home and about halfway through the, and we have, we're in two different cars cause our family is, is pretty big. So we're, we're driving in two different cars and halfway home, my wife calls me. And when we're traveling and my wife calls me, that's never good. Something went wrong. So she calls and I'm like, what's up? She's like, yeah, you remember the cargo carrier we had? it blew off i'm like what and i I start asking all these questions trying to understand what happened and you know in the the cargo carrier we had you know the beach stuff the umbrella the a little beach tent and buckets and all that kind of stuff shovels and i'm like and so she tells me what happened and, and, and luckily no one was hurt and i'm processing all this and hang up and i'm feeling really bad because i'm the one that packed the cargo carrier. I'm the one that was supposed to have secured it to the top of the van and now it came off and it's gone. And so I start sinking into this abyss of self-condemnation and just calling myself names and I'm just getting deeper and deeper, deeper into it. And then all of a sudden I just kind of stop in my head. I'm like, all right, God, what do you want me to learn from this? Of course, the first thing is, well, next time make sure the cargo carrier is secured and triple and quadruple check it. I'm like, okay, yeah, 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 I got got that. But what else, God? What else for my heart, right? And, and, you know, God just said, look, this is an attack on your heart. You just came back from vacation, a time you're trying to be renewed and restored and connect with your family. You know, this is a way in which you're being attacked right now. And so I had to guard my heart. I just started praying a rosary because I I just wanted to pray something I didn't have to think. And I could feel God coming and protecting my heart from all these arrows and agreements from the enemy. We have to guard our heart. So that's the defense. And I believe we do have to play defense. But you know what? We also have to go on offense. So that's why I like this other translation of Proverbs 4.23, which says this, keep your heart with all vigilance. In other words, be paying attention to the good and the noble things in your heart, the desires of your heart and what you want. The greatest third baseman of all time, and of course I'm talking about Mike Schmidt of the Phillies, wrote a book (laughs) book called Always on the Offense. And his point was this, That as a player, even when you're playing defense, you need to start thinking offensively, that you're doing things for the good of the team to help the team win. And as Christians, as Christ followers, we want to be thinking about how are we helping the team win? How are we advancing God's kingdom? How do we go on the offensive? And that is by keeping our heart with vigilance, keeping connected to the desires of our heart, the good and holy and noble desires of our heart. So I think summer is a great time for us to awaken our hearts and those, those good things that are in our hearts, you know, put, to put yourself in those environments that bring your heart alive, whether that's going out on a boat in the water, whether that's being on a lake or at the beach or going to the mountains, whatever areas or whatever environments bring your heart alive to make sure you put yourself in those environments this summer and to connect that to God, because God has created those environments and he's created those environments to help you bring your heart to life. What are the activities that awaken your heart? Again, the good and noble things in your heart. Maybe that's hiking or biking or, or swimming, maybe painting or some other creative exercise or just being with your family. What are the things that bring your heart to life? Connect them back to God. Keep your heart with vigilance, put yourself in those environments, partake in the activities that bring your heart to life and awaken your heart this summer. So as we wrap up this reflection, I want to ask you a question. How's your heart? How's your heart today? Or how's your heart in this season? And what we encourage you to do right now is just put your hand over your heart. And we're going to play a little defense first. And let me ask you have you made any agreements with the enemy about God? Are you angry at God because you feel like he's, he's let you down or you feel like he can't be trusted? Have you made any agreements about other people in your life who you know, come on, in your heart of hearts, they love you, they're for you, but you you become angry or bitter with them because they they disappointed you, let you down, and you need to forgive them. Is there some guilt or self-condemnation you've let into your heart because you made an agreement with the enemy about yourself and your character and your identity? Have you celebrated somebody else's failure? Is there some envy in your heart? Have you made an agreement that because someone else has something good, that means, again, you can't have it? So what I ask you to do here is keeping your hand on your heart, just close your eyes a minute, and to name whatever it is in your heart that you know you need to pull out. It's like a weed. It shouldn't be in there. And just in your mind's eye right now, you can even see Jesus helping you to pull out that weed from your heart. See his nail scarred hands pulling that weed because you can't pull it out by yourself. You need Jesus to help you on that. All right, now you can open your eyes, but keep your hand over your heart. And let's go on the offense. What do you want? What is the request of your lips? What is the desire of your heart, the good and noble desire that you can bring before God that's for you or your family, for your community, for this world? What do you want? What are the good and noble desires of your heart? So again, just for one moment, close your eye again and make that request to God, to God, this is what I want, and share that with him in your heart. you can open your eyes and take your hand off your heart. If that question was difficult and challenging for you, I understand, I get it. It's not an easy question. I told you these are some deep questions and 20 minutes wasn't gonna be enough. But if you don't know what those desires are on your heart, you might want to connect a little bit more with God this week on this topic. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, this was something that hit me. Because, for, you know, this was when we were trying to build this church, it was like such a clear thing. This is a desire of my heart and prayed for it over and over again. And I started to think this week, what am I praying for over and over again? And what am I asking God for? Because it's a good and noble desire in my heart. So if you want to go deeper into this topic, we're going to have some questions after Mass or after I'm done talking. So. And then the band closes us out with music and song. And so if you want to keep go deeper and have that conversation, questions will come up on the screen. If you're watching at home, just take a picture of those questions and have a conversation with someone this week or right after this experience. For those of you here in the church, it'll be up on the big screen here in the church in the sanctuary. You can take a picture there. Now, if you want to go even deeper, I put together kind of a little mini retreat. It's something you could do in four hours, maybe take an hour a day or 45 minutes a day over the course of this week to help you connect you deeper to your heart. So you can find that on our website, churchnativity.com. The greatest contributions you'll make to your family, to society, to the culture, to the community, to the world will come out of the desires of your heart. You will give God the most glory when you live connected to the good and noble things in your heart. So, above all else, guard your heart. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the wellsprings of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words. We thank you for these words that are, are so deep. And have so much to say to us. And God, we have so many responsibilities like guarding our heart, keeping our heart. It often falls off our to-do list. But God, help us to keep our heart and guard our hearts, to get rid of that stuff that's in there that we don't want, the envy, the anger, the bitterness, the the greed. Just get it out of our hearts, Lord. And Father, help us to stay attuned to the good and noble desires of our hearts, that we would bring them before you, And make a request that you would bring those good and holy things into our hearts, into our world, into our lives. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen.